yum nub. Reach out for yum nub. Hi, and welcome to Upcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Matt, and I was raised to do one thing, but I've got nothing to fight for. And I'm Jamie, and I'm out of it for a little while, and everyone gets delusions of grandeur. I was actually looking at Jedi quotes that I, I, I decided, I saw the Finn quote on the list, and I was like, oh, I haven't done a Finn quote in a really long time, and I like that one. Yeah. Yeah, I actually completely screwed this one up. I was reading it, and it's it's. I said everyone, it's everybody. Like I just went from like memory just saying everyone, but it's everybody, even though it's right there in front of me. Well, this is this is your quarterly performance it's- review now, <laughs> um, and I'd like to tell, I'd like you to explain to us how you failed um, <laughs> our organization. <laughs> Oops, that's okay. I messed I messed up my joke. Um, I messed up a, I flubbed a line that I was trying to quote off the fly in our last week's recording. Um, and everybody noticed, I'm sure. All, all dozen of you mm-hmm. that listened to the show. Yeah, I noticed. But the people that didn't. <laughs> well, uh, today, real quick, um, we are continuing our journey through the anime um, shorts, known as Star Wars, collectively as Star Wars Visions, and... Today we'll be reviewing uh, the episode "The Twins," which is episode three in the episode order on Disney Plus. Um, but before we talk about that, we like to do our thing every week, where we ask each other what we did for Star Wars. Um, so, what did you do this week for Star Wars, Jamie? Well, I um, I read the latest High Republic comic, and um, in it, I. Um, realized that there is a hut who has hair this was um, quite this was quite a discussion point last week yeah and um it i think it's a hut that we've seen in the past so i completely spaced on that so huts do have hair or can't at least they can that's fascinating is that the hut that has okay i'm, I'm behind on the comics still um so i'll, I'll catch up uh did you do anything other than the, other than the high republic comic no, no, I haven't. I just haven't had the time or motivation. I need to catch up on the Darth Vader comics. I just, I don't want to spend the money, which is kind of funny because it's like four bucks a piece. So I'm just being kind of lazy because I can only read them on my phone because the, the tablet that I have really sucks. Um, and it will only work with certain chargers. So it makes reading Kindle uh, comic books uh, or just kindle any kind of books you know difficult have you checked it for lint no it's not that it will literally <laughs> it, it will literally say on the screen use the charger that comes with it or else oh. you'll have which i don't know where that charger is it's been, yeah. it's been years i don't know where it is yeah some of our apple products will say this accessory is not supported and it's like it's not an accessory it's a charger i've had a pretty light week from a Star Wars point of view as well, I'm I'm almost done with Rogue Squadron, which was the Legends, the Essential Legends novel. Um, I'm audiobooking it on Audible, uh, so Audible, please give us a sponsorship so I can stop paying for the subscription. Uh, I've talked about it a couple weeks for a couple weeks now, but um, Shatterpoint, the the Mace Windu Essentials novel, came out um, today. And I got a nice notification from Audible that I had a new novel and checked, and it is the Mace Windu novel. So when I finish um, Rogue Squadron, I will move over to the Mace Windu Legends novel, Shatterpoint. It's a Matthew, Matthew Stover novel, and he's the one that wrote the um, Episode 3 novelization, 
which I think oh, you yeah. and I are both really big fans of. Yeah, it's a that is a good one. I really wish that it was uh, it remained canon. I mean, for things like that, I think it's canon. Like it's it's my personal canon. Um, the Stover novelization. If you have not read it or have not done like the audio book, I highly recommend it. We both highly recommend that telling of Anakin's fall. Yeah, it, it makes so much more sense. Yeah, actually, the term Stover effect um, is because of that novelization, and Stover effect refers to when a novelization is better or provides more context and better um, subject matter than than a visualization like a movie. Um, and that is a legitimate Star Wars fandom term. And I'm not shitting on episode three. I watched it not too long ago with the boys. Um, it has its moments for sure, has its problems for sure. The novelization has the luxury of time, um, and it mm-hmm. dwells it dwells on so much with Anakin's psyche and its limited, omniscient narrator. It knows Anakin's thoughts, and it dwells on them and shows how the war really crushed him. So I'm pretty excited to do another novel by uh, Matthew Stover. Uh, and I haven't started it yet, but I will report my feelings about it, not spoilers, for a 10-year-old novel or 20-year-old novel um, on a later date. Other than that, I'm still falling behind on the comics. Um, but, um, oh, I did watch Bad Batch this week with the boys. We watched two episodes of Bad Batch. Um, we watched Infested, and then the uh, one right after that, which is the three-part finale. Um, so so the boys, we, we actually never finished watching Bad Batch with the boys, and they asked, asked about it, and so we picked up where they left off with Infested. And I'll say, like, I think we we gave Infested a pretty hard time on our review and on rewatch. A few months later, I really enjoyed it. it still had the same problems, but it, it was a it was a fun episode. Mm-hmm. Well, it uh, you know you you know it's it's easier to look back now, especially since there's nothing going on with it. Um, but um, nothing going on, you know, major going on with Star Wars, so you can look back like, ah, this wasn't super bad. Because because we also had like some you know like the season premiere and like like the like like the like the second episode we'd seen those and you know that those are kind of like hard to follow. Yeah, the only other thing that I want to bring up is that there was a pretty cool, pretty exciting announcement, at least from I think our point of view, um, that came out this week, and the, the announcement of a new Star Wars novel called Shadow of the Sith, which we don't know much about it yet except that luke skywalker and lando calrissian are in it and it takes place um 21 years after the battle of yavin this is solidly in the pre-episode seven post episode six era but much closer to episode seven and it is called shadow of the sith um we're both very excited about this novel i think yeah it's uh, that should be um interesting because it's only been a you know it's been a matter of time before the uh, novels that would kind of fill in the gaps in between the uh, original trilogy and the sequel trilogy would come out. And usually those have been pretty, usually they're pretty good about like filling in the gaps and like even the things that like in like some of the movies where you just kind of like, what? Like, how come this, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, you know? And sometimes you gotta, you just have to kind of like, you know, just, just go with it. They do. Um, I think they do a pretty good job of kind of like making things like, Oh Yeah. Yeah, of course. You know, like like how like the the Bloodlines book 
it um, it is really painted the New Republic as so ineffectual. It's like, yeah, of course, you know, like a you know a fascist organization is just going to run rampant because they're just they're worthless. They can't do anything, or they won't do anything. Exactly. So I just wanted to talk about talk about the novel for a second. It's it's written. We know very little about it right now, but it is written by Adam Christopher, and he's also the author of the upcoming Mandalorian novelization, which we also don't know much about. And it's so, probably about Mandalorians. Uh, I wouldn't wouldn't bet my bottom dollar. <laughs> of course, but we don't we don't know how it fits into the TV show Mandalorian. I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, but but we'll see. I mean, I'm excited to have a new voice in Star Wars, doing a couple interesting novels. Um, this novel comes out next summer, um, June of 2022. Uh, so we have some time to think about it. Yeah, I'm really I'm really I'm really excited about it. Because that you know, there's a lot of questions. You know, like was this, you know, where where does the um, Rise of Kylo Ren comic fit in? Yeah, that's you know, with this book. That was my very first question. I was like, like when I saw the timeline, I was like, oh, we gotta figure out how this all fits together, because presumably they won't neglect that wonderful story. They mm-hmm. better, they better not. Yeah, because I mean, the movies make it seem like Luke just gave up after. Uh, he became Kylo Ren, but maybe there was some time in between, you know, where he didn't, where once he discovers, you know, he's, you know, become Kylo Ren. That's when Luke lo- loses all hope. I don't know. It should be interesting. So let's, uh, let's get into our review. Um, so like always, I like to do a little intro talking about the cast or the crew. Today we're talking about the twins, which was produced by the studio Trigger. Um, the runtime is about 17 minutes, and the English dub cast has a couple of interesting or actors in it. Um, so there's basically two main characters. And we're going to get into this in the recap. Um, one's named Kare, and he's played by Neil Patrick Harris, the Doogie Howser himself. Neil Patrick Harris is one of the actors who was sort of billboarded as participating in um, Visions, and this is the character he plays. The second character, um, from a billion point of view, is a character called Am, or Am, and uh, she is played by the actor Allison Brie. Allison Brie was on Community as one of the actors, and she's done a lot of voiceover work lately, including um, characters on Rick and Morty. There's only one solution for Earth's pollution. You! Oh, Planetina. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she did the voice of Planetina. Which is a episode from the latest season of Rick and Morty, which is pretty freaking hilarious. <laughs> and she also played Diane on uh, BoJack Horsepan, which is another really? Asian character she gets to play. Was Planet was Planetina Asian? Or no? Okay, I see what you're saying. No, okay, no, never mind. Diane on BoJack Horsepan was uh, Asian, and now this character um, theoretically is uh, of Asian influence. Yeah, all right. Okay. Um, I'll leave so that the, be. So, okay. So the last actor I'm going to talk about today is uh, Jonathan Lippo. Um, he plays a protocol droid called B2ON, or B2ON, in this episode, in this short. Um, Jonathan is a huge voice actor for Star Wars. He has appeared in pretty much every episode of Resistance as a voice actor, usually as... His like background or like stormtrooper or 
um, first order officer or um, a computer voice or some vendor, but he's in, I think, 20 episodes of Resistance out of like the 24 episodes that were made of that show. Um, so he's Star Wars alum, and he does a great job in this episode as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the other interesting piece of trivia about these three actors is that Neil Patrick Harris, uh, this is not his first Star Wars role. Um, he was an uncredited voice actor in one of the um, From a Certain Point of View stories, where he plays a Imperial officer. Was it from the... Uh... The Empire Strikes Back one? No, the other one. The New Hope one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't... I'm pretty, I pretty sure. Much, yeah, I checked out after the Klugelhorn stuff and returned it. So I didn't I, I didn't finish it. It is, it is the a New Hope one. Um, so that, that, that was correct. Um, so that's all I'm going to do for the actors today. Um, so if you want to, um, go ahead and jump right into the plot summary. The show opens up... Um, it's just kind of like in the blackness of space and it slowly shows light on uh, what I guess you could only call a double Star Destroyer. It's basically two Star Destroyers joined at the wing with like a huge cannon in between them. Think of the uh, the air cars in on uh, Bespin. Very, very uh, similar to that. Good call. It's a, it's a very strange design, but that's a very good good call to a parallel. Yeah, and they call it the, it's called the uh, Gemini class Star Destroyer. You know, Gemini twins, get it? Okay. I'm, I'm an Aquarius class, so I, I don't get it. Uh, yeah, I, you don't want to know what class I am. <laughs> In a tunnel inside the ship, a, a masked figure opens the door. Now, um, he looks like a lot, lot like Darth Vader. Uh, except he's got some uh, triangle, triangular sh- like shapes, kind of like um, orange highlights. He's like his face is seen on like the like the main poster. I'll say poster for Visions. So it kind of looks like an interesting character. So there's stormtroopers, and he walks through the hall to a huge door. Now it should be noticed should be noted that the style is much more like uh, it, it reminds me more of like kind of like Robotech or like like Voltron, just very like. Um, there isn't a lot of um, contrast, so like the stormtroopers don't have a lot of like detail. Yeah, it's like a it's like low resolution in mm-hmm. a like, weird way. That's in, I think low contrast is a good way to put it. It's like the animation style is very interesting. It's like almost like layers of paper where you have like just different shapes cut out and you glue paper on top of paper, um, and and you lose details in there but you can your brain sort of fills them in in like a weird like compensation action it's very interesting i'm not, I'm not gonna say it's good or bad it's just it's just very different from what we've seen so far in in led in visions and in just star wars animation mm-hmm. so there's a small boxy droid that's following him the door opens into a giant chamber with a platform in the middle on the uh he hits a button and uh, reveals that there's some sort of a crystal inside. Then uh, flashes to a protocol droid, B two B two O N or B two O N, is telling someone that the modifications to the Gemini class Star Destroyer have been completed. The droid is talking to a woman named Am. Am says that the moment has finally arrived. Like Am and her brother are about ready to complete their mission. Uh, that uh, they they use a lot of the um, the dialogue 
that um, that you use to explain the story without you know having to do any kind of like flashbacks. You know, like uh, yeah, it's like listening to like a one-sided telephone call where someone's explaining the plot of a book. You know. Yeah, it's like it's like how like um, like I've mentioned this in the past. The Star Wars radio dramas did this a lot where Darth Vader talks about like, I'm, I'm lifting you up using the power of the force. So, you know, they say talking about what's happening instead of just letting the, the uh, viewer see in this case, they don't have a whole lot of time. So they're just, they're explaining everything that's happened and it's going to happen like in the dialogue. And this happens a lot throughout this uh, episode, which was a little cumbersome, but they've only got 17 minutes. So, you know, it's forgivable, I suppose. And this woman, she's also wearing a mask that looks like Darth Vader's. Uh, it's 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 weird, different. Um, it's kind of got like a big, bulky head, kind of more like um, I'll say like uh, the uh, like the xenomorph, except like not as pronounced, but still kind of like goes back. Yeah, it's that's a good, that's a decent description. It's like a the front looks very Art Deco-y. It's got like wings and like a big like section for hair i think or mm-hmm. something it's hard to describe i think her mask looks a lot more like vader's than his yeah and, and she, she does especially in the face sorry yeah because she does have the two like little like like vader's thing i don't know what they are but like a vader's mask has two little things at the bottom that they're like silver chrome Whatever that point out, like these two little nubby things, they kind of look like um, I don't know, like bolts or something. Are you, are they, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, exactly. Like on his chin. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, she has the exact same thing, except they're they're orange. And so uh, Am tells the droid that with their new power, that her and her twin brother will bring order to the galaxy, and that this is their destiny. And you find out through the story that they are created through the power of the dark side. So there's the the droid tells their backstory, but there are flashes of like, like goes in reverse of like their, their birth to you know their conception to where like people are just like working in a lab you know on a pile of goo. So um, so I really, like I really like that montage though. Yeah, there's some interesting things in there. Like there's like when they're teenagers, they're surrounded by these look like women with like face masks and like robes. Then they're in a back to tank. When they're smaller, and then, like you said, they're just like a pile of goo on a lab bench at some point. Yeah, and like when I first saw this was when I was still kind of like, is this canon? I, I don't know. So I was like, I was starting to get really like, what the what the heck is this? But um, now I know. I, I don't worry so much about it. So the protocol droid, who happens to look a lot like Triple Zero uh, from the Dr. Afra comics... Um, reports that the hyper cannon is almost operational and that the cannon is charging. Uh, B2ON goes on to explain that the power core is charging from the crystal and that suits her that the suits her and her brother are wearing are designed to channel that energy into the hyper cannon, which will be used to destroy a planet. B2ON then states that he is worried about their bodies during this process. Uh, eventually Am tells the droid that she's ready to die for the dark side and to arm the hyper cannon. B2ON excitedly orders the cannon active, but someone on the bridge reports that the power source for the cannon has been stolen. It could only be Am or her brother, um, Car, and Car is not at his station. Now, if you notice, his station is the same as the like uh, throne, like uh, Palpatine's throne. Yeah, and like Jedi. Mm-hmm. So, so this whole explanation, this is another how the cannon works. This is another 
like sort of exposition soliloquy that delivers like the plot to us in a very efficient manner. It's very much telling us, not showing us necessarily. But it's like, oh, you have these special suits that channel the energy from the crystal core and power the cannon. And while, while I don't I don't necessarily like the way they describe how this cannon works, it does sort of remind me of the High Republic Jedi weapons that require the Jedi to either like insert their lightsaber into like the console to get it to work or use the force to activate the weapon. Mm-hmm. Like the Jedi vectors or whatever. It's not quite the same, but it was it sort of reminded me of that where it's like, oh, this weapon only works if like force users are, are wielding it sort of thing. Yeah, and did you notice that the uh, when it shows the little animation about what could happen, that that when it, the thing that it fires on looks a lot like the the schematic to the Death Star from Rogue One and from A New Hope. I did not notice that, but that is really that's a really big plus in my in my um, opinion of this episode. Yeah, yeah. There's a ton of like, there's a ton of these like little things that just like tip of the caps to you know Star Wars that had come uh, previously. All right. Okay. So cut to Car walking through the hall with the, the crystal in a bottle. He's walking with R uh, D U O or R Duo. The the boxy droid encounters a group of stormtroopers. They order him to stop, and he ignores them. They try to stun him, but he uses kind of that. Kylo Ren to uh, power to like freeze the blast and then throws them against the wall. I really love this. I really love this interaction because obviously these stormtroopers have been sent to stop this guy, who is basically like a god to them. Right, like the the power mismatch is so great that there's a, a large group of them pointing their guns at him, and he's just walking through like literally down the center of them, and they're like, "We said stop." please stop (laughs) and they're like they have nothing they can do to him and so they finally they're like we'll stun him and then he just freezes the blast and smashes them up against the wall it's incredible i really like that little little sequence yeah so um i can't remember exactly where but he um some point he gets rid of his armor it was um i think that's coming up okay so um, they head to a hangar uh, to get to a ship, which is, by the way, an X-Wing. But uh, I don't know if you noticed that when they show kind of like the overhead of the hangar, there's like no two ships are the same. They're, uh, but they're all like, um, but they're all kind of like dark and evil looking. There's a, uh, there's a dark colored uh, Jedi starfighter, uh, TIE fighter, I think a B-Wing, um, and I think a Y-Wing too. And some yeah, other stuff. I love that overhead shot, and I didn't pick out all of those vehicles. I only had the opportunity to watch it twice um, outside of my notes run. Um, but I love that. I saw the I saw the Jedi Starfighter, and I thought that was really amazing. Um, and the Tie Fighter, I thought I really liked the selection that they had in there. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, when he he gets to his X-wing, a huge battalion of stormtroopers uh, with an ATSE walkers show up to confront him. M.S. Carb, what he's going to do with a crystal, he says he's going to take it to a galaxy far, far away. Another uh, to the cap, probably very heavy-handed, but you know, M. asks for the power core back and says she'll forget this has ever happened. Instead, Carb removes his dark armor, which he, you know, he's wearing like kind of like a bodysuit, but also a, like a 
like a white shirt and kind of a vest, so he looks a little bit like Han Solo now. So uh, Am asks if he's defecting to the Republic. Uh, Car, uh, you know, he says he doesn't want to be on anybody's team, which I was kind of confused that, like, you know, what time period is this? Is are they talking about New Republic, the Old Republic? You know what? You know what exactly? This is such a such a sort of allegorical telling of Star Wars. It's impossible to know what the corresponding time period is, but but her line reveals that there is an empire and a republic. Mm-hmm. So back when I thought this was first canon, I just thought that well, it must they must be some sort of like imperial remnant, um, and that would explain all the you know, the various styles of ships they have instead of just uh, tons of Tie Fighters, but. Or you know that was me reading you know too much into it. Um, Am draws her lightsabers to, to take the crystal back, but uh, our duo is uh, he's already in the X-wing and opens fire on the hangar, destroying the walkers and wiping out a lot of troopers. Car gets in and tells our duo to punch it. You know they fly away and all of a sudden they are caught and being pulled back towards the ship. You know and at first they think it's the tractor beam, but they realize quickly that it's Am using the force to pull them back. Car tries to grab the or tries to throttle up to get away. Then he realizes she's pulling on the crystal inside of the ship. Car grabs the bottle, and he and the parkour crystal thing are are pulled out of the X-wing. Which I didn't quite fully understand how that worked. But Car um, and Am are, are in a forced tug of war on the surface of, of the Star Destroyer. Um, so this is very much like Episode Eight, where Kylo Ren and Rey are using the force to, you know, fighting over the, um, fighting over the, um, Anakin Skywalker, Anakin's, uh, Anakin's, sorry, Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber. And also very similar to, uh, spoiler alert to the end of what if, um, so eventually the, uh, crystal breaks and M pulls, uh, the Kybo crystal towards here, Car um, pulls the crystal towards him, or at least their individual parts. Lightning shootouts at both of their hands. Ams is red and Car's blue, and the whole thing explodes. Now, can we pause there? Yeah. Go ahead. You, you do your first. I was gonna step. say some. Yeah. Somehow they're like they're actually in a vacuum and surviving. Now, granted, you know, this was like a big pain point for like the you know uh, the last Jedi when Leia did her little uh, spacewalk. But like they're they're like both out like in zero atmosphere for a very long time. Doesn't seem to phase them at all. Yeah. So so that's that's when I fir- when he first gets pulled out of the ship, I had like a moment of worry. I'm like, oh here here we come because she's wearing you can you can justify that she's doing it because she's sort of in her Vader suit at this point. Um, but he's in like sweatpants and a t-shirt, and so he's definitely gonna die. Um, but it doesn't seem to phase him. And so I was like, okay, so we're we're really playing with realism here. That's not a, a concern of theirs. We have sort of a a joke about that coming up, but I do want to I do want to back up and talk about her grabbing the X wing with the Force. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's several things about this episode that I don't like. I love this. I love this tug of war piece. I love her grabbing the X wing and pulling it back. That's straight up what Ray did in episode nine with the transport before she accidentally blew it up, um, maybe killing Chewie. Uh, it's it's Star Killer 
in Force Unleashed. It's Yoda in Clone Wars, right? It's grabbing ships in the air and doing shit with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that piece. The tug of war, like you said, it's Kylo Ren and Rey trying to gr- grab the Skywalker lightsaber for some reason. Um, I, 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 it just, it just works for me. I mean, we can talk about the art style and, and what it actually looks like in a little bit, but from a plot point of view, I, I love these little moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do like the fact that they're like, okay, they're they're both on like this star destroyer. And that there's, but there's like debris everywhere. But it seems like a lot, a lot of debris for what little you know action has actually happened. But it, it adds to the atmosphere, I suppose. Now, like the next part that happens was a, it kind of confused me. Um, so uh, Car and M are having, I guess, uh, an out of body experience where Car explains to her that she will die as she uses the Kyber crystal. Now this is kind of like this, this, um, this. Kyber crystal. It was. It's kind of obvious it was Kyber crystal, but it's supposed to be like more powerful, or, or it's like different than regular Kyber crystals. It's kind of like the uh, super powerful, kind of like the Kyber saber from the Freemaker Adventures. Um, I'm not really sure, but you know, it, sh- it shows her just like in agony, and you know, they argue about the use of the crystal, and Car says that he doesn't want her to die. Ms. Car, she thinks she fears death, and uh, the. Uh, Eventually, the out-of-body experience ends with the two back on the surface of a Star Destroyer and reminds Carr that they are created by the dark side, that they are supposed to bring order to the galaxy. Their argument continues. Am's holding the crystal, and she slams it into her chest, and eventually light whips grow out of her. So it like it's like a compartment in her chest where it just like holds on to the kyber crystal. It's like part of the armor. It's mm-hmm. like, and they are talking about earlier how this armor helps like focus the energy... And it's it's like it's like a feature of the armor that she can like install a kyber crystal into it. Yeah, and because of that, she gets like two extra arms. It's more like they're just kind of like floating there. Or and I don't know if this is just because of the art style. Maybe there is like some sort of general grievous sort of thing where they kind of like they're actually attached to her. But you know, like she has got like these these red um, light whips and. Uh, so Carr runs away and puts a fragment of the kyber crystal into his lightsaber hilt. Now his lightsaber looks almost identical to Darth Vader's, except for the very top. It's like much bigger. It's very, I don't know, it makes me think of uh, Jeff Bezos's uh, rocket ship. Um, not exactly that shape, <laughs> but just like where the head is just much bigger than the body of it. So it's just kind of, uh, it's kind of weird, but it, it's definitely meant to, you know, reflect... Uh, Vader's lightsaber. Yeah, good call. So uh, his uh, <clears throat> his uh, white blade beats back the light whips. So they duel, and then Om tells that Car that his problems. He's too afraid to die. Om blasts Car off the surface of the star destroyer, and our duo catches Car with the X-wing from above. And once again, zero G's. You know, you know, total vacuum is not it's not a concern in this uh, in this cartoon. So at this point, Force Lightning is ripping through Am now, and she's reeling in pain. The, the kind of the same, she's in the same kind of agony that was foreseen in the uh, the out of body experience. Kara knows that he has to help his sister before her armor and the power destroyer, but he is too weak to stop her. So he hatches a plan with Arduo to somehow use the lightsaber and hyperdrive to overpower himself to fight her. 
And before he can do anything, our duo blasts back towards the Star Destroyer. And Carr is uh, kind of like riding it like a like, kind of like a hood ornament or somebody out of a Mad Max movie. So he turns his lightsaber on, and the blade is um, about a mile high. It's and, it's like a it's this this whole sequence is wild. Yeah, right? I don't I don't they don't explain it well about how it's working, but he turns his lightsaber on and it is like a fountain of light mm-hmm. just shooting off into infinity. Yeah, because it's a, it's a special lightsaber, I suppose. Our special kyber crystal. So they run into her and are stopped. Um, yells that if they destroy this crystal, their entire life's work will be meaningless. Carr argues that they are free as long as they live and are bound to their previous destiny. Carr tells our duo to go into hyperspace, and the blade cuts through her armor, and she's knocked back, and the crystal is destroyed. The X-wing jumps into hyperspace, and the ship is cut in half, and it shows a, and and, and it shows a, a scene very similar to. What happens when uh, Holdo uh, goes into hyperspace? Uh, you know, through you know the First Order fleet, one one of the uh, star destroyers of the two is just cleaved in half, and you just see debris just scattered everywhere behind it. It's a it's a once again in the Last Jedi, it's a gorgeous shot. In the cartoon, it's a gorgeous shot, and it is a obvious quote. It mm-hmm. is shot from the same sort of angle it's the same like color palette it's the same like debris field it's it's just this gemini star destroyer with one of the sections cut completely in half down the middle like down yeah. uh, down the center line it's very very gorgeous very beautiful very cool moment yeah so uh am is floating in space surrounded by wreckage and then b2 uh b2on shows up and recovers her body now the no the droid has like, kind of like a bubble over his head, like it's a spacesuit. So it's weird that the droid has it, but she doesn't. But once again, we're not we're not going with um, heavy logic here. I really think this is a wink at the audience. I think the fact that they were fighting outside of the Star Destroyer in the vacuum of space without any protection, I think the the artists and the writers knew, like the, the production company knew that this would be disturbing to people. Who are expect we don't get a lot of that stuff in Star Wars, but we know enough to know you can't exist in space mm-hmm. without a spacesuit. Um, and I think when the droid shows up and he's wearing like one of those fishbowl like spacesuits over his head, mm-hmm. and he's the one thing that can exist in space without breathing, I I interpret this as a wink. Mm. Like they're okay. saying, like we get it, we understand, yeah. but wink, the droid is wearing a spacesuit. <laughs> yeah. So uh, somehow uh, Carr has uh, survived uh, going through hyperspace, surfing uh, on an, on top of a uh, X-wing while in space. And they're sitting on top of the crashed X-wing. It's kind of sticking out of the sand, kind of like a like a tree. You know, the nose uh, nose is in the sand and is sticking straight up. And he's saying that they deal it and that they'll find Adam. She's alive, and he will search for her and their actual purpose. And the twin sons to credit. And the end, as <laughs> you put, but it feels very much like they're, this was like a pilot to something. I mean, he basically said at the end, he's like, now we got to go find my sister. It's like, okay, like, like if you're going to do another one of these, you, you gave yourself a plot to follow. Um, so there's that. Um, so thank you for the plot summary. Um, should we just go right into it? Sure. So what'd you, what'd, you th- what'd you think? I know you, you wanted me to do this one on purpose, so 
you know, hit me. I guess it's an I guess it's like an allegory for Star Wars. The story is fine for like a fifteen minute thing. Um, overall, I thoroughly disliked it. Um, I think there's good moments that I pointed them out during the summary. I just it's it's so far from anything recognizable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's everything is overpowered. Everybody's overpowered. It's it's like the theme of the thing. It's like oh, it's not a kyber crystal. It's a super kyber crystal. It's not a star destroyer. It's a double star destroyer with a planet killing like weapon, and it's still the inbreeding sort of everybody's related star wars issues that we have but turned up to 11 and i don't know what did you think Uh, uh, yeah i also wanted to say another thing is that um uh luke and leia and anakin and padme the female has the protocol droid and the male has the astromech droid that's a really good point hmm that's I I'd never noticed that before, but yeah, that parallel is carried out in here as well. Yeah, so I'm not a fan of it. I I liked some of the the styles and the, like the little callbacks to Star Wars, and I'm sure that there's others that I just missed. And like at one point, Carr says he's got a bad feeling about this. Um, well, no, the droid the droid tells him when they're in the X-wing. He says the droid chirps and he says oh you have a bad feeling about this something like that so he's like quoting the <laughs> droid our duo uh, okay thanks for making me look like a schmuck uh, no <laughs> but yeah that so that line that line is said but yeah it was just very it was very kind of like frantic i'm surprised at one point he didn't like whip out like a like a, a card deck or a pokemon something and then just all of a sudden it, it cuts to some sort of screen where it shows what he's doing, but like in the like, not anywhere uh, in the uh, in the space at the cartoon, you know, just kind of like some secondary area where he's picking his uh, picking his Beyblade or whatever that he's going to use to battle with. Right. So is you know, it reminded me a lot of those kind of cartoons where it's just you know, and the the dubbing was really really off. Um, I don't know if that was on purpose or not because the other ones couldn't really tell. This one was just like, they're just when, when they talk. There's no like, it's either the mouse open or it's closed. Yeah, I was actually curious if the dubbing. I noticed the dubbing issues too, and I was curious if it was because of the artistic style that there's just less less attention paid to it. I didn't watch the Japanese version to see if if the mouth movements matched the Japanese dialogue better, but it did seem it's it was so wrong. It seemed intentionally wrong. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yes, and and there's there's a few things in this show, in this episode where it's like like it's so over the top. They have to have made done this on purpose, and like the whole thing where he's like flying upside down over the star destroyer, cutting it in half with this giant lightsaber, and then he gets to his sister, and all of a sudden he's got like perfect control, like surgical precision to cut this kyber crystal out of her chest when he just spent like maybe a mile with this completely out of control fountain of energy shooting out of the hilt of his lightsaber. And then he ends up cutting the whole ship in half, but somehow she's fine. It's, it's like the juxtaposition of like the precision and just the 
completely out of control raw nature of the power just doesn't work for me. And I, I get why this is entertaining and why people would love it. It's just so... I have as big a willing suspension of disbelief as everybody else, but you have to touch the ground every once in a while. Yeah, and the fact that like he... That these two were just raised, you know, to be dark side users. And he's just, and he just is like right away defecting. Like he doesn't care. Like that's not how like brainwashing works. Exactly. And, and this is a wonderful point. Um, we have no reason to believe that he's actually defecting, that he, that he has any reason. Like he's, he, we're, I realize it's a short. I realize that there's a ton of information that they communicate in a short period of time, but they start with him not being evil anymore, Mm -hmm. despite being genetically engineered to be evil and raised that way and presumably indoctrinated that way because there's no reason why, like it, it would have been more believable if there was a power struggle in between the twins and during the power struggle, they have that out-of-body experience, and he realizes that the path that they're on only leads to their death and destruction, and then he switches. Mm-hmm. Like, some sort of some sort of epiphany. But they skipped the most interesting part, which is the part that actually makes the character have depth. Because otherwise, it's just like, there's a light side twin, there's a dark side twin, and they're going to fight each other. Do you get it? It's a balance. Because yeah. they did that with um, the... Um there is a uh, expansion. I would say, call it expansion pack. Uh, there's a, uh, to the uh, the old Republic games where um, I'm sure you've seen the uh, the trailers for it, where there's two uh, two there's twins like yep. twin boys. Yep. One one dressed in white, one dressed in black, and one becomes you know a dark side user. One one ends up slaying the other and becoming a dark side you know user. I don't know. I mean, it, it had its moments, but yeah, I just don't like. Yeah, the, the the super like OP powers. I just don't. I don't care for that. I I know that's probably part of the whole appeal of it, but it's just, it was not for me. There's definitely a market for for this kind of story and this kind of animation, but it's like it's like when the X Wing is getting away, for example, after Car and B do or our duo getting the X Wing and flat out of the hangar. They don't fly out of the hangar, right? They do that whole animation trick where the ship gets a little bit shorter and then like springs forward. And when it springs forward, it leaves a football field's length of um, flame behind it, you know. And it's just huge, and and it looks like he's going thousands of miles an hour when he leaves. But yeah. she she has no problem like doing an EVA and getting getting on top of the. Um, Star Destroyer and grabbing him with the force and pulling him back. That's a scene. That's a scene that I like. Showing her has that power, but with all of the things surrounding that scene, it doesn't make sense, right? He should have been halfway to the moon by the time she got out there. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm I, I don't like nitpicking stuff, although we tend to sometimes on the show. It's just so fantastical that you can't. You have no like sense of reality during it. It's like anything can happen, right? And like his whole like thing at the end where he's like, somehow I'm going to use the hyperdrive to overpower myself and get over there. And then it just happens. This is, this is more absurd than any Star Trek tech, the tech solution 
about like we're going to reverse the polarity of the tractor beam using the deflector array and we're going to bleed off the ions in the uh, upper atmosphere and then save the day <laughs> it's like okay but like that's techo techno babble in in a universe where techno babble actually it's like has a mechanic to it this like he could have said anything or, or done anything and the outcome would have been the same there's no yeah. there's no reality there's there's no physical system that they exist in where rules can be applied to their behavior yeah i can use the power of my farts to move faster to, to destroy the uh, star destroyer and uh, rescue my sister it's it would have made as much sense for him to like go back in time and like give jesus a bunch of fish and loaves <laughs> and then go back to like whatever time he's in and then fight his sister right it, it's like mm-hmm. it's it's almost like the action is almost that arbitrary where it's like like oh i'm glad i had like this carved duck in my pocket yeah that's exactly <laughs> the piece i need yeah it's like whoa yeah good thing i have my uh my uh my bat shark repellent you know there you go <laughs> but but that it is it is sort of that level of absurdity there are the art style is very different from what what we saw before. You said you said it reminded you of like Pokemon or Yu Gi Oh or Beyblades. It's it's lower resolution than like a Pokemon. Mm, yeah, I agree. Um, it's it. We we talked about South Park a little bit last week because you you said that the Hut G sort of looked like Eric Cartman. Mm-hmm. But but that episode had what I would consider sort of a normal level of cartoony detail to the to the characters like to like a old bugs bunny ish level Mm -hmm. um this has more like like the cardboard cutouts that south park used to be sort of level of animation detail i'm not saying it's good or bad i'm just saying like it is a simplified palette for details yeah Yeah, and and they, they do a lot with it they do but it's 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 completely different from the other ones we've seen uh, yeah. Also, the main characters are very—they—they they are very generic anime. You know, he's got—they both have like whitish blonde hair, and he's got a big, um, unruly, you know, mop of hair that just you know is styled just right. And she's you know got she's got bangs, and she's got a um, black headband, and she's got the bangs, and then you know, long flowing hair. So it's you know it's a very it's a, you know, it's a very um, kind of generic style that they both have, and they both have big eyes too. Yeah, that's definitely like the big-eyed, big-eyed blonde, blonde-white sort of aesthetic there. Um, I know we're talking about like sort of realism here, and I don't want to spend much more time on it um, unless you have something that you really want to talk about. Um, you mentioned the the rubble while they're fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, one detail I did really appreciate is the more they fought, the denser the rubble field got. Um, and there is a point where where she's yelling at him and all of the rubble is moving in like orderly patterns around her. Uh, they're like crisscrossing in the sky like big X's. Mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed that detail. Um, and then I do want to talk about sort of the out-of-body experience. Um, I think this is this level of surrealism throughout the episode um, almost the out of body experience was the the part I thought was the most realistic, oddly, 
because it's really the only point in which they're actually talking to each other rather than yelling at each other mm-hmm. and doing like force wild force magic toward each other. It's the one time in the episode where they're in a conversation and she asks a question and he answers the question and then she rejects the answer and they argue, but they are not just being wild out of control force users. They're actually having like a genuine moment together and I love it. And I was, I was trying to think of like what, what this is analogous to in, I don't want to say real Star Wars, but like in Star Wars, it's almost like it's almost like her cave experience, or like looking in the mirror sort of thing, where she's seeing her what's going to happen to her if she continues down this path, and he's there trying to explain it to her, and then she rejects it. Um, and I that part I, I love so much. I just wish that they would have done like added more consequence and stakes to that scene, mm-hmm. and have that be how they how they actually go their separate direction. The conclusion of the little short, I don't understand. It's like you randomly jumped, you ghost rode the whip through hyperspace, crashed on, I guess, Tatooine, um, or something very similar to it, and then you told your droid that you're going to go find your sister because you know she's alive because she's your twin. Um, Okay. I mean, it makes as much sense as everything else that you can sense your twin. You're both force users. We've seen force users sense each other. Sure, right. At this point, if you're gonna if you're gonna buy into everything else in the episode, you might as well, right? But mm-hmm. it lost me. It it honestly lost me way way before that moment. And by the time it was over, I was just happy it was over. And I apologize for not liking it, but I gotta be honest here. It was not for me. This was not made with me in mind. It was not made for me. If you love it, good for you. Um, maybe you can explain it to me sometime. Cool. So you want to get to the rankings? If you have anything else you want to talk about, I'm happy to talk about it. But I think I'm no, no, not, not really. All right. So now's the time where we talk about. Uh, or sorry, now's the time where we uh, rank the episode. Um, our ranking system is pretty simple. We rank it on uh, Star Wars characters. So a really great episode would be an original trilogy character, Han, Luke, Leia, Vader, Chewie, etc. A really bad one would be some awful character or somebody inconsequential. Like, for example, the, the stormtrooper who picks up a sprocket and says, look, sir, droids. So, Matt, where does this rank for you? Um, this one is the sprocket that Stormtrooper picks up and says, "Hey, look, droids." Wow. For me, for me, if this didn't exist, I'd be fine with that. Wow. Okay, that's. Uh, <laughs> you must have really, really hated it. It's just no. Uh, it, I, I don't. I don't hate it. It's there's just nothing here for me, right? It's like like if you want me to talk about how how pretty the art was, fine. When we talk about like like some of the dialogue or the nods to other Star Wars, fine. I mean, but there's nods to Star Wars in tons of media. Doesn't make that media good Star Wars. If when I when I rank something, I'm like, how much does this add to my enjoyment and appreciation of Star Wars as as the whole Star Wars art project that spans for fifty years and a dozen movies and thousands of comics and hundreds of books and TV shows and blah, 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 and toys. How much does this add to that? Absolutely nothing. 
<laughs> yeah, it's nothing for the nothing to Star Wars for me. If it didn't exist, like it, it doesn't change. Like this is nothing to me, and I apologize, but that's my opinion. All right, all right. Well, I uh, I'm going to give it a, uh, a Mungo Baobab because, like in droids, there there was supposed to, they kind of hinted at some great backstory for uh, for Mungo, but they never got to it. And it was just kind of like, uh, okay. Um, so, because because of the because um, the way that this was just kind of all of a sudden just happening, you know, I'm giving it kind of that. I'm um, I'm giving it the um, the Mongo Bayabad because he was just a character that was just always, you know, there's supposedly some story there, but we never got it. It just went straight into, you know, him being, you know, who he was, which was annoying. That's a good pick. Um... I wish we would have gotten to know more about Mungo Baobad too. Maybe we can work <laughs> on his. Maybe we'll work on his Wikipedia page together. Fill in yeah, that. Like, for them. Yeah, like his uh, Sergeant Pepper's uh, uniform that he never gets to wear. And and the photo of him and his classmate, who is probably the uh, the Borg gullet. <laughs> Looks not flat like Borg gullet. <laughs> he went to college with that guy. Yeah. That's uh, the end of the episode. You know, um, you know. Be sure to, uh, if you haven't already, you know, you know, um, give us a ranking on uh, whatever podcast app you you got us. You know, you know, and be sure to tell a friend. You know, uh, if um, if you liked us, and you know, if, if you didn't, uh, tell somebody you don't like uh, that this is a really great podcast, so they'll waste some of their time, and you can have a good laugh. So uh, we'll be back next week with. The Village Bride. More high heels for you. More high heels. Awesome. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Note as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Dun, 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 dun,